Dallas is my dear friend. And you know you have a dear friend when he says nice things about you and he knows otherwise. Amen. But he is, he is my dear friend and I, I cherish his friendship and his love. I really do cherish his trust in allowing me to come back uh, to be here again this Sunday. I, I do not take it lightly and I know there are a lot of other uh, qualified ministers and people who could... Uh, fill the pulpit in his absence while he and his wife get some much-deserved rest and vision and refreshing. So I just want to thank him very much for that and then uh, bless you for the way you've been so receptive of me. Uh, you have really been kind and uh, made me feel at home and uh, uh, Brother Dale has been especially a blessing to me and yeah, I think I'll take him home, and his wife will say amen. And <laughs> but uh, I do, I do, I really sincerely uh, enjoy the opportunity. I know this church has a significant amount of meaningful and productive ministry in its 90 years of existence. Brothers and sisters, some church can't last nine months. It's like some marriages, isn't it? Well, shouldn't have said that, but. Some folks, some church can't last nine years, and it's not always their fault, but here you are with a legacy of wonderful history, but yesterday brought you to where you are today, and there's a tomorrow, and we got we to gotta look to the hills from whence cometh our help. We, gotta, we, we uh, in this generation, those in my generation need to pass it on to the next generation, and I believe that God will anoint them and use them and you know, they may not be exactly the way that we do it. If they want to do it wrong, then that's their fault. But if they want to... <laughs> but I, uh, I go, I'm going through this place in my life now where I transition in our church, our church that we served for 33 years. And uh, now I'm looking... I'm on staff. I'm working uh, there at the church. And, but I'm looking for the next whatever it is the Lord has. I knew that he brought me to that end of that particular phase in my ministry. And I say that, that Bridge of Hope, it, you are a church with so much legacy, giftedness, sent people around the world, thousands have gotten saved in this church, many has gotten healed, many marriages were blessed, many babies were dedicated, many water baptisms took place, many weddings took place. You're not about to leave all that behind. God wouldn't bring you this far and say, okay, no more people need to get saved. I told him in the staff meeting today, E.V. Hill said years ago about salvation, that there is no sinner shortage. Give me a witness. Yeah. So I, uh, I understand and appreciate the fact that God has uh, called you, and I'm going to be praying for you. I got some friends in Cincinnati now, and you got another friend in south of Atlanta called Noonan, who was originally from Trinidad. Yeah. So we're in it together because when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. That you say, man? Uh, I'm going to leave town tomorrow without uh, doing something that Pastor did with me, and I don't feel bad about it. But there's a place downtown uh, that has donuts that will kill you. Is it called Suicide Donuts? Do you know what I'm talking about near the, near the river and 
Uh, it's, do you know what I'm talking about? You, know, you really don't? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like a, how long you'll live here and don't know about that place to kill you? you I think you have the name right. But brother, sister, you can only eat half of that. No, not if you eat the whole thing, you are going up there where the rollers call up yonder. But I enjoyed a lot of memories with him, and so I'm glad I could that. So I would bring to you for the next time, the time we have together, this time for the next moments, I should say, this word from the Lord that I believe would be his word to you for where you are. And I'm going to call it two words by two words. It's called giant slayer. Giant slayer. And in the course of bringing you this word, I'm going to use two accounts, stories in the Bible that depict confrontation with giants. This would be literal giants. The first of the two would be that in Numbers 13, where you might recall that God sent Moses back to Egypt and instructed him to go to Pharaoh where he would say to Pharaoh on behalf of God, let my people go. You'll recall that because of the reluctancy of Pharaoh, God performed 10 miracles to convince Pharaoh and his soothsayers and all his sorcerers that he is God and the gods of Egypt were not. You remember that God took them through the Red Sea. And you remember that God walked them through the desert on the way to the promised land, otherwise known as a land of milk and honey. You'll also recall that in that journey, in the desert heat in the daytime, God put a cloud over their head to shade them. You remember that at nighttime it got a little more cool than it usually is when we think about the desert, and God put a pillar, ball of fire over their head to warm them. You'll recall that God's so good that they had to walk for many days, but their sandals didn't wear out and their clothing didn't tear and become worn out. Then they came to the border of the promised land, the land of milk and honey, there where the Jordan rivers separate the land they're going to. The Bible says that God instructed Moses to choose 12 men to serve as spies, one man from every one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He tells them, I want you to go in and scout out the land. He says, I want you to go check out the livestock, the water supply, the vegetation, the houses, the wells, and the fruit and fields, vineyards included. He said, this is the time of harvest, so I want you to bring back some of the uh, produce and vegetation so we can see how rich the land is and the soil. Now, I say this to you because the Lord taught me this. Uh, Moses didn't tell them to go into the promised land to see if they could take it. Can I get a witness? God already said they could have it. God already said, I'm going to give you the land. All that Moses was asking them to do was scout it out so we could have the best strategy for going in the land. 
they scouted it out, spied for 40 days. After 40 days, they hastened back to Moses and a million and a half Jews and 12 of them come. Ten of them, of the 12, says, the land is everything God said it was and is. The trees are plenteous. The fruit is abundant. Matter of fact, we brought back such a cluster of grapes, it took two men to carry them. They said the land, the water supply is great. The livestock is great. The homes are well built. The, the, uh, are built well. And then there's the water and the wells that are there. They just repeated everything that God said it would be, and that's what it was. But here's, at the end of their report, the ten of them said, but while we were there... We saw giants who are the descendants of Anak, A-N-A-K. And these guys are probably nine feet tall. And they are so high and so strong until we must look like grasshoppers in their sight. And they said, matter of fact, we think we are grasshoppers in their sight. Therefore, we are not able to go and take the land. The best thing for us to do is to turn around and go back where we came from instead of dying out here in no man's land. Oh, wait, 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 just a minute. Caleb said, wait just a minute. We are well able to go and take the land. God made us a promise, let us go right now. And take the land. Because how many of you know if God said he would do it, he will do it. Say amen. And so that being the case, uh, that's the first giant. Let me, let me hasten to tell you about the second giant. And you know this one more readily perhaps than this about the descendants of Anak. The first Samuel chapter 17 talks about David meeting the giant Goliath. The Bible says here that The armies of Israel, led by King Saul, the first king of Israel, were on a mountaintop on one side of a valley. And the armies of the Philistines, led by that time apparently Goliath, were on the other side of the valley on the mountaintop. And they were there to wage war. And the Bible says that every day the armies of Israel would put on their armor, suit up to go to battle, and get ready with their sword and shield and whatever else they have and spear. And they would line up on the top of the mountain like they're red hot to go. But before they would take out, there was a champion of the Philistines whose name is Goliath, who is also nine feet and more tall. The man who's carrying his armor, he carries 125 pounds of armor. I'm telling you what, you're going to fight with that, you all better run from that guy. And so what happens is every day Goliath would come and shout through the valley, ringing on top of the mountain where the Israelites were. And he said, look, ain't no sense in all of us fighting together here, losing a bunch of life, hundreds and thousands. Let's make it this way. You, you uh, Israelites, you choose who your champion. Let him meet me down in the valley. I'll go down in the valley and I'm the champion of the Philistines. If your man can beat me, then all of us on my side will bend down and serve you. However, if I beat your man, you guys are going to bend down and serve us. And he mocked God and he mocked the Israelites. And when David heard that, he, he knew in his spirit that God was not going to be mocked 
and God was not going to be belittled, and God was not going to let down his children. Somebody say amen. So you know the rest of the story. You know without a whole lot of effort, David went down in the valley of Elah. He took his slingshot. Somebody loaned him their weapon. Saul did. Saul loaned him his armor, his helmet, his shield, his coat of arms, and Saul was also tall. And so when David put on his, his helmet, it sank right over his face. It's like me trying to put on a football helmet. Just come right down to my nose. You can't see. So David said he can't swing the sword. He can't bush the He said, I know what I can use. It's a slingshot. How many of you know that if you got faith, God will use what you got? Somebody say amen. You don't have to have the armor of Goliath. You don't have to be a big time preacher or a big time Bible reader or quote a lot of Bible. Nothing wrong with that. You don't have to have gone to church all your life. All you have, you give to God. And if you open your mouth and your mind, God will do the rest. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So having said that, I want to suggest to you that Without exception, we all have a giant or giants in our lives. If you don't have a giant right now, just hold on. Just keep on living. They're on their way. Don't want to bring the bad news, but that's part of getting healed is admit, I got a giant. Now, here's a small list of possible giants. Okay, so I'm not just talking about heavy frame, tall giant, bulging muscles and biceps and sword and spear. I'm I'm talking about you don't have to have a physical giant to have a giant. You don't have to have a physical giant in front of you to need to slay a giant. So sometimes sickness, many times sickness, a giant is giant. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you that sometimes the surgery didn't help and the medication didn't help and the therapy didn't help and you're still rolling that out hoping it will help and please keep doing it. But it's a giant. You have to fight it. Sometimes fear, anxiety, depression, panic is a giant. You know what's something about giants? When you can't see those giants and they're there, it makes it worse. You know what I'm saying? David could see a physical giant. He just ran, he just whirled that sling around, around, around. And when he turned it loose, it landed on Goliath's forehead, stunned him, and Goliath fell to the ground. So stunned, David hurried over to him, took Goliath's sword, because David didn't have one, a heavy sword, and, and he, he severed the head of Goliath from his body. And that was the end of that particular battle. But when you don't see your enemy, when you don't know your enemy, when you don't know whether he's coming from east, west, north, and south, you better have uh, the Holy Ghost in you and somebody praying with you. Your giant will die, and it will. Amen? Amen. Look, Look at this. Sometimes doubt is a giant. Sometimes finances is a giant. Amen? Sometimes a marriage can be a giant. Sometimes family issues can be giants. Sometimes addictions can be giants. You know that you don't have to be addicted for you to have to fight giants of addictions? You follow me? Some people say, it's my own life. I can do what I want to do and can't bother anybody, won't bother anybody. That's not true. No, it isn't true. There are some things that your children can get involved with 
that will bother you. Abuse, alcohol, drugs, in prison, or somebody else you know. That will, nobody lives to themselves. All of us have waves that come from us, good or bad. Let, let, me, let me show you. You know, this, the giant for America right now, this whole world, and I want to elaborate, the whole world today is paralyzed because of COVID-19. Can I get a witness? The whole world. I don't, I don't care if you're in Japan. I don't care if you're in Trinidad, South America, North America, Antarctica, I, I, India, Africa. Every part of the world is paralyzed by a giant we can't see, we can't feel, we can't touch. We don't know where it's coming from, but we know it's there when it hits us. Giant. We don't have a vaccine yet. I pray we do. Amen. We don't have an antibiotic yet. But l- let me show you a few things about giants. How, how do we deal with them? Well, you first got to understand them. For example, a giant, a giant is anything that stands between you and God's plan for your life. Give me an amen. Anything that stands between you and God's plan for your life. God's plan for the people of Israel was to take them into the land of milk and honey. He promised it. They got to the border. They saw the giants. They didn't see God. They saw the giants. Isn't that part of the problem with some of us? Me too. And so what happens is they allowed the giants to keep them from going into the land of milk and honey. They were to own houses they didn't build. They were to drink water from wells they did not dig. They were to get crops from vineyards and fields they did not plant. They were to have healthy livestock they didn't raise. All those things God promised to them, but the giants caused them to fear. If God made you a promise, he's not a God that he would lie. If God made you a promise that he would heal your body, touch your marriage, give you a sound mind. If God made you a promise that he'll get you out of debt. If God made you a promise that, that your family is oh, for you and your house, you will serve the Lord. My business and yours is keep looking to the Lord and not looking to the giants. Give the Lord a hand clap, somebody. Brother, can you undo that cap for me and make me look good by not spilling it all over the church? Thank you. I don't need the cap. Thank you. Here's another thought. Everybody still with me? A giant is anything that seems bigger than you and your desire to serve the Lord. Yeah. You're here today because you desire to serve the Lord. You're here today because God's done something good to you, for you and you want to thank him. You're here today because you need something else that you can't bring for yourself. A giant and, and so what the devil does, the, je- the devil puts a magnifying glass on things that are in our lives to create greater fear, fear and make it look like a, a giant. And here's the thing. Israel forgot about all that God had done for them before they got to the border of the promised land. Israel forgot that, and I, I enumerated a few of them there, Israel forgot that God brought them out of Egypt. 
Israel forgot that God drowned the armies of Pharaoh in the Red Sea. Israel forgot that God gave them bread when they were hungry and meat when they wanted it. God gave them water. Israel forgot that God brought them to the land and kept them all protected from possible attacks by others who might be in the desert likewise. And let me tell you this. The way you're going to defeat your giant and me too is to look back and say, God was with me when I got saved. God is with me now. God was with me when I got sick 10 years ago and I had heart surgery and I'm here because of God. God was with me when when I didn't have money to pay my bills and God sent some miracles. God baptized me in the Holy Ghost. He put people in my life to pray for me and if God brought me this far with miracles, he's not about to fail me now. Hey, do you all sing that song? Look what the Lord has done. Y'all remember that? Um, sometimes you got to sing a song by yourself. You don't have to have no microphone, no drums, no keyboard. Just close the windows in your car and pull the curtain in your shower because ain't nobody else want to hear you sing. But you sing unto the Lord. <laughs> Amen. If y'all help me now, we'll get through quicker. But if you don't, my flight leaves tomorrow morning and we can be here for a while. You know a giant is not a threat to God? Can I get an amen? Hey, you ever go in your room with, with your child, put them to sleep, and uh, we have two girls, of course, they're grown now, have their own family and children, and sometimes one of our girls, Kimberly, would struggle at night to go sleep. Some fear, you know, some of you dealt with that. And, and for, the, for the little, smallest little thing, children, we are older, we, we don't think it's, it's big, but there are occasions when Jennifer, our oldest, Kimberly, when I would go in and I'm thinking, what is so traumatic? What is so titanic? What is so that's going to destroy the world? Did the devil himself move into your bedroom? And I go in there and I say, you know what? It's not going to take a whole lot to make Kimberly feel better. I'm her dad. I'm a covering. I'll pray with her. I'll stay with her a little bit. She's three or four. I'll just get into bed with her a little bit. Hope to God she sleeps before morning. And You know? I'm saying a giant is no threat to God. Here's another thought. A giant is stronger than that. Put it this way. A giant is anything that's stronger than us and cannot be faced alone. Amen. Amen. See, uh, the Israelites saw the giants that were stronger than they were. But they forgot that they were not going to have to face it alone. If God said, I'm bringing you out to take you in, he's going to keep his word. And so, having, having given this thought, let me give you a, uh, the truth about our giants in our lives. Hastily, let me do this. This is the truth about it. This is what I need to deal with, and I, I uh, beseech you to do the same. All of us have giants. Can I get a witness? And I noted to you earlier that a giant does not have to be tall and wide and loud. Sometimes giants are invisible and they come in small packages. But when I look at the Bible, let me just enumerate very quickly. When you look at the Bible, you see awesome, powerful, anointed, gifted men and women of God, many of whom had a giant or giants. For example, Moses' giant was Pharaoh. Couldn't get past him without God. Elijah's 
giant was Jezebel. There's a man that could kill 450 false prophets of Baal, and one woman says, I'm going to get you. And he goes, never underestimate. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Samson's giant was Delilah. You know what Samson's dilemma was? He was a he-man with a she problem. Y'all ought to say amen now because I already worked on that. Thank you, brother. I mean, remember the Gideon, the coward. But it wasn't anymore when the Lord gave him visions and signs and, and, and affirmed, God's affirmed his promises by a fleece. Gideon's giant was the Midianites. Daniel's giant was a lion's den. Esther's giant was Haman. David's giant was Bathsheba. And in the course of all of their lives, some of them in the fighting of their giants suffered some negative consequences, but all of them remained people of God because God gave them the power to deal with their giants. Let me show you something else. Giants are ambassadors of the devil. Goliath was an ambassador of the devil to scare the Israelites into defeating the Philistines. Goliath was tall, he was loud, he was boisterous, he was physically alert and sharp. And his, his plan was, if we get the Israelites, they're going to worship our idol gods. They're going to carry out perverse practices like we are, and therefore they're going to become ours. And God said, no, 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 I didn't bring you in this land to be perverted. Can I get an amen? I didn't bring you in this land for you to serve other gods. The, the ambassador of the devil in the form of giants can come to you like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Let me just give you a word of caution here. Uh, sometimes I have been guilty of, and maybe, maybe you have too, of befriending ambassadors or friendships or relationships or partnership or being a part of a group or whatever that looked they were like they were an ambassador to help me. They were a group or they were a certain kind of organization. And, and when you look below the surface, you find out that Satan was using them as a tool to draw me away from my faith or from my confidence in God. In other words, uh, be very careful that you don't entertain ambassadors. And when they turn out, they'll be from the devil. Can I get an amen? I, I pray in this day and time because in this day and time for Christians and the world, in the world, anything goes. In the world, in, if it feels good, do it. In the world, you believe in your God, I'll believe in my God. They'll believe in their God because we all go in the same place somehow. That is not the word of God. There is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to eternal life. There is only one way to, to this thing that God has brought us from darkness into light. And his name is Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. So I don't want to make you mad, but I'll keep trying. I don't care if Oprah says there's another way. I don't care if Dr. Phil says there's another way. 
I, I don't care if a black man, white man, Indian man, uh, 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 a Korean man or Asian man, they may mean well. But don't you give up your treasure by going alongside an ambassador of the devil. I know we all went to, going to get along. But the best thing, better than getting along, is that we all get to heaven. And God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Oh, boy. See, I, I, I need to stick to my notes, man. Uh, if I keep preaching like that, I'll be your alpha and omega guest speaker, first and the last. Here's something that will really baffle you. I know it does me. This, this truth about giants is that God allows them. What kind of God is that? I can have my own pain and sorrow and heartache all by myself, and here you come giving me another? It's all right to smile. You ain't going to go to hell. Have you ever asked God, in my 35 years of ministry and 10 years prior to that as far as pastoring, in my dad being converted from Hinduism, my mother being converted from Hinduism, my aunts and uncles in the island of Trinidad, I know about Islam, I know about Hinduism, I know some other things, but those main two I know about, okay? And I know in those religions, there's so much bondage. And then here I come along, and I'm a Christian, and I'm thinking, God, why me? Why now? And then when I study the Word of God, I, I understand that, that God sends some giants in our lives because he, he knows we need to learn how to fight. Give me a witness, somebody. I mean, you don't want to be bottle-feeding your teenager. I made that up, too. Y'all can say amen. I mean, you got to teach them stuff, stuff. I mean, one of the worst things you could do to your child is allow them to stay on the couch eating Cheetos with the remote control and they're 40 years old. Oh, boy. There's something that I, I made up years ago that helps me because I'm not a giant in stature, so I can't really attack people and hurt them because I don't want to, but sometimes I do. So I came up with this little thing called SOS, Spirit of Slap. Y'all ever heard it? It's not a spiritual gift, but it can be helpful at times. It's along my church pastoring. People, they remember more about that, Dale, that I said Spirit of Slap than I said about the Word of God. I have people say to me sometimes, Pastor, I got that Spirit of Slap. I said, but what did I preach? I don't remember that, but I. In other words, the Lord sometimes will put us out there because we need to learn how to walk by faith. Somebody say amen. Man, you know, we, we need to, the Israelites went into battle because they were not used to battling. They were slaves. So God put them on a mountaintop in the valley of Elah across from the Philistine and said, now, if you face your giants in the name of the Lord and you learn how to fight, then you will appreciate winning because you fought and won. Somebody say amen. Let, let, me, let me tell you, when, you, when you're serving the Lord, are we going on Georgia time? good because the same time is here <laughs> you, you know you don't you want to learn how to pray through yourself can I get an amen 
Back in the day, we came to America 51 years ago, and my dad was an evangelist in a lot of small churches in America, all over the, the eastern part of America. And, uh, and they would, when we came to America, they had this thing about seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost and having church. And then they would close the service by asking those first who want to get saved and second who want the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you this because I was there. Some nights we'd stay at the altar till 12 o'clock. Some folks would leave. Others who were hungry and desirous, they sought and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Ain't it a shame where some churches who's supposed to be Pentecostal don't even know nothing about no baptism in the Holy Ghost? Oh, Holy Ghost. Uh, sometime, man, you ain't got 14 people around you laying hands on you to pray through. Prior to the revival services, we'd go outside of the church and, and the men would go outside the back of the church and they had sort of a prayer altar and the women would stay in the Sunday school class and we would pray until we pray through. I mean, know what that means. Sometimes in killing your giant, you don't get one swipe. In killing your giant, you may not do it in one day. But if you'll open up your Bible and lay it on the floor and find you a scripture and you say, God, I'm not leaving this room until I kill my giant. And when you make up your mind and do your fighting, God's going to send an angel right there with you. Oh, my, my, my. Hey, uh. You know why God, why God will let, let giants come into our lives? Because you get to know God better in the struggle. Anybody hear what I'm saying? You get to, when your medicine run out, when your mind run out, when your money run out, when your children run out and your marriage is on the rocks, but you stay on your knees because you intend to slay the giant, you'll get to know God better because if you ain't got nobody else, if nobody else is texting, nobody else is emailing, nobody else is coming by, God is a very present help in the time of trouble. <laughs> Amen. Oh, my, my, my. Mm. God will let us have giants along the way because you get to know your own self in the struggle. You get to know God, your own self too. How many times I wish that I didn't run away from God instead of running to God. A lot of times we think I'm a spiritual giant. I'm a spiritual man or woman of God. And, and we need to be faith about that. But there's sometimes when it's easier to pray for somebody else than it is for me, myself. Sometimes it's easier for me to preach to you than for me to preach to myself. You get to know God, and you get to know yourself. Okay, let me see if I can wrap it up with these points. Remember last week, Dale? I closed five times. I got five points. Uh, how to triumph over giants in our lives. Are you ready? Here's how you do it. Number one, not the only way, but this is what the Spirit revealed to me. If you and I are going to slay the giants and be a giant slayer, we've got to believe that the promises of God are true. Amen. It's your business to believe. It's his business to provide. Amen? I, I say this, that God told the Israelites, and again, I don't want to be redundant, food, water, land, well, fruit, safety, a land of milk and honey. I will destroy your enemies. You don't have to fight very much. If you, God says to them, I make you this promise and all you got to do is believe. You may not see it today, you may not see it tomorrow, but God is not a God that he should lie. All you, all you have to do, Alan, is believe. 
You know, when we, when we started our church and, and I started pastoring there in 1985, I, I had uh, dreams and visions and things beating in my heart. But I, I got to tell you, a hundred times or a thousand times, I'm thinking, God, but, but are we ever going to get there? Are we ever going to do that? Are we ever going to buy land? Are we ever going to build a church? Are we ever going to have this ministry? And on and on as far as the, the work we were doing. We'd pray for somebody to get well. It would take a month, maybe ten months. or year. God, are they ever going to get well? And God would repeatedly says, in my time. The Bible says that God makes all things beautiful in his time. But Israel went to the land of promise. They didn't believe. Can I get an amen? They went to the border of the land of promise, forgive me, and did not believe. Doubt was their giant. So 10 of the 12 came back and says, we ought to kill Moses. And we ought to kill his brother too. How you like leadership like that? Moses is the lead pastor, and Aaron is the associate pastor. That would be Pastor Dallas and Pastor Dale. We think we just killed both of them. I'm just kidding. But that's how traumatic it really was. And so two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, What's wrong with y'all? Believe. They didn't believe, and God said, you got to wander in the desert, the wilderness, for 40 years. For every day you went into the land to explore it and spy it out, you will have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until your doubting generations die out. That's a big price to pay in it. Let, let, let me show you something else. I'm closing now the second time. Uh, here's how you, here's how you triumph over giants. You approach possible giants in the name of the Lord. Everybody on the count of three say, in the name of the Lord. One, two, three. Now I want you to, you just practice right there. I want you to say it one more time on the count of three, okay? I mean, in the name of the Lord, is like your boxing gloves. One, two, three. In the name of the Lord. Yeah. SOS. Spirit of slap. Slap the devil. Nobody else. David says to Goliath. You remember what David says? You got a sword, you got a, a shield, you got a spear, you got a helmet, you got a man walking ahead of you to carry your armor 125 pounds. You come to me with all this stuff on you, and Goliath cussed and swore, swore at him and says, I'll feed your flesh to the birds. He, he, he looks at David. Maybe David is about a, 125 pounds like the weight of his armor. He says, I am... I, I see you're, you're, you're mocking me, but I, I'm going to destroy you like that. And David said, you come to me with sword and shield and spear and helmet, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the army of Israel. He will give us the power to triumph in the name of the Lord. Uh, your little child gets sick, you go to that bedroom, put your, take a little oil and pray over that baby in the name of the Lord. 
Amen. If you have a financial uh, emergency that you didn't intend, uh, nobody wants to have that. But the fact of the matter is, you, your checkbook is there, and you know you don't have it. Take your hand and put it on. I don't care if the, if the world think it's foolish. I ain't talking about the world's faith. I'm talking about your faith. You put your hand on that checkbook and say, God, I know you shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I'm a tither, and I'm a giver, and I'm just calling this money I need in the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen. Uh, well, I could say some more stuff there, but this I got to get to my third time of closing. Number three, remember the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. Oh, stand still and see that I am God. I, I, I love. My, my, my. The battle wasn't David's. He just believed. Now, he acted upon I told you, you got to act. Well, you, when's the last time you read anywhere where a little stone killed a giant? But when the Holy Ghost directs the stone, <laughs> amen, and puts it right here, knocks the breath out of the giant, and God gives David the victory. And, and I, I bring that to you because I come to understand and appreciate that if you, if you are struggling with personal issues that you can't get out of your life by yourself, let the Holy Ghost fight. The battle is the Lord's. Can I get an amen? The battle is the Lord's because if you're battling joblessness, the battle is the Lord's. If you're, if you're battling uh, troubled marriages, the battle is the Lord's. If you're battling raising a child as a single mother, Battle is the Lord's. Oh, yeah, he'll, he'll send along soldiers along the way. But you remember, David slayed the lion and the bear. You, you remember as a shepherd boy, young lad, got his staff and his rod. In the natural, David couldn't do it by himself. But he says to Goliath, what I believe, what he said to those animals, and, and I, I, I could believe that he spoke to them. Because you, like, you need to speak to your mountains. Somebody say amen. You need to call those things that are not as though they were. You need to be like Abraham and Sarah. Abram's 100 years old. And Sarah's 90 years old. God says, I'm going to make your heritage like the sand of the seashore and as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham walking around says, God, you told me you'd give me a son. I'm hitting 90. My wife is 100 and my wife is 90. And our, our womb and our seed no longer can, can fertilize, oh God, and give birth to a child. And here I am waiting on you. But the Bible says, Abraham walked around as if God has called those things that are not as though they are. God can make something out of nothing. Give the Lord a hand clap, would you? Oh, my mic. This is my fourth time and my last time. Here's one of the greatest ways I found out to help people. In other words, to help yourself to slay a giant is to assist people with theirs. Does that make sense? One of the best ways to testify is to see somebody grinding their way uphill and you come and say, here, let's do this together. One of the best ways 
I, I don't mean this bad, but I'm just telling you. I've had people along the years. You, you want to come to the music, folks? When I was pastoring my church, Dale, I would tell them come to the music because I wanted the people out there to think I was closing. So y'all come on to the music. and People would slip me some money. Say, Pastor, I don't want you to tell him where, I, where you got this money. But just slip it to him. Because I know he's or she's having a difficult time. Help somebody fight their giants. It's amazing what one dish of food can do to encourage somebody. Amen? It's amazing what a little text that says, I'm praying for you. I love you. Will do. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You've done that. You have people do it for you. It's amazing. I know we can't go in the hospital now because of the COVID and but it's amazing that when you can, you just stop by. Can I get an amen? It's amazing when, you know, you put them in contact or, or through social media with a song that will help them. It's amazing how you give them your testimony. I've been there and I've done that, but look what the Lord has done. I, I say to you that you'll find that when you sow into people, when I sow into people, I get a harvest that I can't even measure. Let me say, I believe I can slay giants by faith. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Pastor Dale, did I do okay with the time? How can you say no? I mean, you'd be embarrassed. Me, would you? <laughs> okay, I want you to look at me, and I want to look at you because there ain't nothing to hide right now. Nothing to hide. I want you to look at me and you look at each other in a moment because I want us to think about you, my brother, you, my sister. Take me by the hand. Together, we can work until he comes. I want you to look at each other in a moment because we can't physically touch each other. We shouldn't based on the advice, but we can touch him. We can touch him. Amen? You know what? If I asked you all to bring all your problems up front and I had a clothesline, you, you're probably familiar with this analogy. From that pole over there, to that pole on the other side. Clothesline, give you a clothespin, give you a piece of paper and a pen. Write down your giant. And then write down your giant on that paper. And then I have you go back. I said, now come and choose you a giant that, that you, uh, you think is manageable. Most of you will come back and get your own giant because you're thinking... I didn't have that giant. I don't want it. You see what I'm saying? You don't know how bad you have it until you know how bad somebody else has it. But God's got you, and God's got me. Say, Pastor Allen, there are giants in my life or my family or a giant, and I'm not confessing it because I wanted to stay. I'm confessing it because I wanted to go. God knows what it is. It's in my head. And I believe starting today... I can use more strategies than I have so that the ambassador of the devil, giants, will not live in my house or my life. I, I've got this, my children, I got it, my health, whatever it is, and, and, and I'm gonna keep my eyes up and keep yours. Raise your hand with me. I mean, I'm raising my hand, so you know why you are. Yeah. Yeah. Now, lift up the other hand. Let's let's go together. I'm going to pray in, in about 20 seconds, but I want you to pray right now over you. Before we pray for each other, raise your voice a little higher than you are. 
Sometimes it helps to raise your voice because you confuse the devil. Come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost. The devil can't understand the Holy Ghost. Can't understand tongues. You're not a lesser believer if you can't speak in tongues. Just speak the way you can. Come on, lift it up louder. Giant of sickness, in the name of Jesus, the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord. Giant of fear and anxiety and panic and depression, you must leave because I come against you in the name of the Lord. And I come against you through the power of Jesus. Giants of marital conflict, division, separation, I come against you in the name of the Lord because the battle is not mine. Come on, help me pray about this. Oh God, we come against the giants of want. Of want, oh God, of need, oh God. Of, we need to pay our house bill. We need to pay our car notes. We need to pay our utilities, God. We'd like to have a little savings. And I, I just command the devil to leave my finances alone because I'm a child of God. And he'll take care of all of my needs. Come on, do it. Call your child by name. Call your grandchildren by name. Call, call your co-worker, your boss, your husband, your wife. Come on, I raise my hand one more time. And I plead the blood. I plead the blood in the name of Jesus. We are, we are overcomers, Lord. We are overcomers. Hallelujah to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.